Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. We are in Genesis chapter 42. We're down to the last eight chapters, nine chapters, including today. And uh, our prayer is that as we start the year next year, we would have another series. And we're hoping and we're praying, if the Lord wills, we will look at why we stand with the Reformed doctrines. That's what we are hoping to start come January. And so the rest of the year will be in the book of Genesis. Genesis 42, please stand with me as we give reverence to God's word. We continue to believe that if we respond to God's assurance of forgiveness to us in a way that is honoring to him, the word of God is central. Genesis 42, when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, He said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there, that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brothers, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? He said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered that the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my Lord, your servants have come. To buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. He said to them, No, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, We, your servants, are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you. Or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this and you will live, for I fear God. 
If you are an honest man, let one of you, your brothers, remain confined where you are in custody and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households. And bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother. In that we saw the distress of his soul and when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept. And he turned to them and spoke to them. He took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain to replace every month's money in his sock and to give them provision for the journey. This was done for them. Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. As one of them opened his sock to give his donkey father at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of his sock. He said to his brother, My money has been put back. Here it is at the mouth of my sock. At this their hearts failed, and they turned, trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us. When they came to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, they told him that all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be the spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men. We have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father. One is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your household and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men. And I will deliver your brother to you and you shall trade in the land. As they emptied their socks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sock. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands, and I will bring him back to you. But he said, my son shall not go with you, for his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to shawl. The reading of God's word. Our gracious and heavenly Father, this is your word. And your word are spiritual things. Things that our natural mind could not truly comprehend unless the Spirit would work in our hearts and in our minds. So Lord, we humbly ask for your illumination as your word will be preached today. Enlighten our hearts and our minds. Amen. Amen. One of the things that we do not want to be 
or to see or to find ourselves is when we are confronted. We don't want to be confronted. We don't want people to confront to us or confront us. We don't want a conversation that would somehow expose our sins. And in this world, people don't even want to be left on a very silent place. I read a book saying that many people today, even as they go to sleep, they will turn on their TV because the silence will confront them. And we don't want to be confronted. Nonetheless, we know that if we have sins that we just covered, sins that we thought we can move forward and bury it in the past, God has a way of bringing us back there so we can really deal with those sins. And the truth of the matter, we often find ourselves okay. We are okay with doing well with life if work is doing well, if career is doing well, if business is doing well, in some sort, the relationship that we have in the family is doing well, then we can sleep well that night and be okay with it. And this we do despite of the fact that we know that we have some things to deal before God. This we do despite of the fact that we know there are some things that we need to settle with some people. And we realize, we will realize today in the story that the thinking that, you know, so long as life is doing well and that it's okay not to deal with those sins that has to be dealt with, today we will learn from the scripture that it does not work. It does not work. God will do everything that we might come to terms with our brokenness. That's our title for today, coming to terms with how broken we are. Coming to terms with how, with our brokenness. And I believe there are a lot, there are a lot of things even today that we refuse to look at. We refuse to see, we refuse to talk about it, we refuse to confess. The famine had hit the land already. And the family of Jacob were running out of grain. Running out of grain. They were forced to do what they were, so they were about to do. And so Jacob, we are told in I think verse 1 and verse 2, that he heard that there were grains sold in Egypt. And he was clearly dismayed by the inaction of his sons. Look at his question in verse one, why do you look at one another? Why do you look at one another? And it looked like here that the brothers were still not helping each other, though they all felt the famine. That's a picture. Many says that when they look at one another and said, or when Jacob looked at his sons and said, why do you look at one another? Many commentators are saying that that is a description of the family that they could not make themselves united. This is a very dysfunctional family. Still, a very dysfunctional family. And this is important because 
God seemed not only interested in preserving this family from famine, but God is interested in fixing the brokenness in this family. Later we will realize the true redemption is not simply to be taken out of this world or to be taken, problems around us will be taken. That is not what true redemption, true redemption at the end of the day is, is the shalom, the peace, the order would be put back. Relationships will be mended. That's what true redemption after all. However, it is clear that the only concern of Jacob and his sons was how to do well in the famine. That's the only concern. In sending them to Egypt, their only concern was to do well in this famine. Not really, the family was not really inclined to fix the problem in the family. I would say the spiritual problem, relational problem in the family, they were not inclined to fix it. He sent the tent to Egypt, leaving Benjamin behind as he was the only son left from his favorite wife, Rachel. And his first favorite son, Joseph, was no more, at least as far as he knew. The ten went to Egypt to get food to survive the famine, undermining their lack of love towards one another. When, when problem comes, brothers will come together only to fix the problem many times, but whatever problems within them, they don't, we don't care to fix those problems, isn't it? With Joseph, the governor of the land, verse 6, and after Joseph recognized his brother in verses 7 to 8, and then realizing that his dreams were fulfilled, when he saw his brother bowing down to him, in verse 8, we are told that he remembered his dreams. He realized that his dreams was fulfilled. His brothers will come to bow before him. Now, very strange because when Joseph saw his brothers, he insisted that they were spies. He says, you are spies. And then the brothers, the brothers insisted that, no, we are not spies, we're honest men. And look at that word honest five times in Genesis 42 that has been repeated five times. And the word truth has been repeated, I think, two to three times. And the whole story is revolving around the question, are these honest men? Were the brothers honest? By the way, spies, during that time, they said, I was not there for sure, they said, were rampant because they wanted to see the weakness of the land. Remember, famine was all around. They wanted to see the weakness of the land so that they can find an opportunity to attack the land and loot it. If people are hungry, people will be so desperate and they will do everything that they could if only that they could get food. Right? Now what happened in Yolanda is one of the examples to that. I think decent citizens of the Philippines we're no longer thinking about those things. All they care is to get food. 
during those times. So that was how dangerous was it for Egypt, and they were on the lookout if there were spies coming. So it was a dangerous thing to be accused as spies. Dangerous thing. The brothers, of course, insisted that they were not spies. They were honest men. And they explained themselves. They're saying we are sons of one man. There were 12 of us, but one is no more. And one is with our father. Everything is true. But just because they were honest on that particular time, does it make them honest men? Just because we are honest in one particular dealing, does it make you truly honest? Honest means characterized by integrity. Integrity is whole. There's no crack in you. It's whole, fairness, straight, not crooked. And at the time, honesty was believed as the noblest work of God. They said that honest men are like doctors. We have a doctor here. Are like doctors who would tell their patients that if they could no longer do anything of their situation, that's being honest. It's not sugar-coating that we can still do this to you when a doctor really knew that he could not do anything anymore of the situation of the patient. He would tell the patient. They said that is being honest. It means then that you are not hiding anything. Not hiding anything. Ah, it begins to surface here. These ten brothers are hiding something. So what will happen in the story is that it will unearth their deepest secret. Think about your deepest secret right now. Maybe you have, and you have always feared that God would expose your deepest secret. This is what's happening here. They buried, apparently, what happened in Dothan did not remain in Dothan. God is about to expose what they did to their one brother, Joseph. And it is because God wanted them to see what was broken in them and be fixed and not only to survive the famine. Think about that. God exposes our brokenness because he wants us to be truly healed spiritually and not simply to do well in this life. Now, I'd be circling around this idea. We would rather have God. We would rather have God let us see what is broken in our lives than to think that we are okay when we are not. Are you following? Mas mabuti pa po na expose ng Panginoon yung atin pong kasalanan at madil po yun ng tama kaysa magpretend tayo na okay tayo when the truth of the matter is we are not. We'll be circling around this idea. Why do we have to see our brokenness? Maybe this is our question. Bakit ko kailangang makita yung problema sa puso ko, sa buhay ko ba? Bakit kailangang ma-expose itong mga bagay na ito? 
Now, I would divide the rest of the chapter by getting a point in verses 9 to 20 and then another point in verses 21 down to the last verse. And we look at two things. First, it is not enough to be okay without dealing with our unconfessed sins. So it's not okay to feel okay naman yung life. We have something to spend and not deal with our unconfessed sins. Secondly, it is better to know that God is dealing with our unconfessed sins than to pretend that we are fine. So let's look at the two. It is not okay, it is not enough to be okay without dealing with our unconfessed sins. Now what we mean by that is that many of us have buried our sins without really repenting or dealing with them. There are three ways to look at what Joseph did here. Were you thrilled with what Joseph, Joseph knew? It was his brothers did not know him. And then Joseph said, you are spies. And later on put their money back into the sack. Why did Joseph do this? Was he vindicating himself, do you think? Like now I can get back to you? You sold me to the merchants? I bowed to you, I asked for forgiveness to you. Now you're bowing to me, now let me give you a dose of the same medicine that you have given me. Yung ba yung iniisip ni Joseph? If it is, it is inconsistent to Joseph's character. Inconsistent. Joseph was not vindictive. In fact, when he finally revealed himself to his brother, he said, Don't you worry, because I understand that it was not you who brought me to Egypt. It was God who brought me to Egypt to preserve life. And three times, when Joseph saw the pain in his brother's heart, he wept. He wept for his brother. He was filled with pain in, in chapter 42, verse 24, chapter 43, verse 30, and chapter 45, verse 2. So clearly, Joseph was not vindictive. Second, they said, Joseph could be befuddled. In other words, hindi alam ni Joseph kung ano po yung gagawin niya. Brothers niya po yun eh. He might have been thrilled that he saw his brothers, but he knew what they did to him, and so he was confused and he did not know what to do. It's going against the character of Joseph. Joseph was the wisest man, wisest man in Egypt. Or I think it's not an overstatement to say that during that time, Joseph was the wisest man living on earth. So it couldn't be that Joseph was simply confused, and that's the reason why he did what he did. Thirdly, and most Scholars believe it is, John Calvin believe it is, that it was redemptive. It was redemptive. Joseph was very wise, who did not only know that he was sent to Egypt ahead to preserve lives, but with his action to his brothers, he knew that this would also redeem the relationship of the family. Whose relationship has been broken for years. And I hope that if we have relationship, broken relationship with our siblings, broken relationship with our father, with our children, I hope this sermon would bring hope to us. 
fact, after Jacob died, Joseph continued to assure his brothers that he would not be vindictive towards them. Joseph was all for redemption. Sidebar, a little bit of a sidebar. As redeemed people of God, we have to understand again that to simply do well in this life is not enough for God will deal with our broken lives. Never entertain the thought that having a good work and good life, etc. would already be good for us because even if we have these things, but still have those undealt sins, we're not going to be okay. Therefore, in line with the dreams, Joseph wanted to bring Benjamin and the rest of the family to Egypt. That's the plan. To bring Benjamin, eventually the rest of the family to Egypt. However, Joseph, who knew his brothers very well, also wanted to know if his brothers have changed for what good it is to be preserved from the famine, and yet the same problem that his brothers have. He wanted them to be really repentant of what they did. And he certainly knew how to bring out the truth from this man. One commentator suggested that when Joseph realized that his dreams were fulfilled in verse 8, after seeing how his brothers bowed down to him, they believe he must have spent time thinking. That verse 8 and verse 9 there in your scripture, Joseph spent time, or in verse 9, Joseph spent time, what am I going to do? I, I know this is my brother. And for a wise man like Joseph, he will not be impulsive. He would think. He would want to know what he wants to do. And when Joseph said, you are spies, that was a calculated move. It was genius. You are spies. And though his brothers thought that they were not, verse 10 to 11, in this exchange of conversation, they said, no, we're not. Joseph said, you are. In verse 13 to 14, they said again, no, we're not. They insisted. But after that exchange of conversation, Joseph said, well, at the end of the day, I am still the second in command in Egypt. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. If you want to see my face again, bring your youngest brothers here or you may not want to see my face again. That's the only way you can come back to Egypt. Bring your youngest brother. After three days in custody, Joseph talked to them again. He reversed it. At first he said, send one and all of you should remain in custody. But after three days, maybe Joseph thought, oh, that, that's not fair. Okay, let's be fair. All of you should go home. Leave one. And if you want to come back, bring your youngest brother with you. Let's read verses 18 to 20. On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live. And look at how Joseph assured them that whatever I tell you, I will be true to my word because I fear God. And Joseph wanted them to see that you need to do this in fear of God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined 
where you are in custody. And let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your household. And bring your youngest brother to me. So your words, so the only way you can prove that you're honest and your words are true is when you bring your brother down to me. And look at the end of verse 20. I think that is a very important statement, sentence, and they did so. They did so. In other words, they agreed. With, they agreed with this proposal of Joseph, which means they were willing to have one of them be left in Egypt, and then they would have to take Benjamin down to Egypt if they are to get grain and save their one brother, which later Joseph chose Simeon. And I was looking at it. Simeon was harsh in Genesis 37. Maybe that's why Joseph chose Simeon to be the one left in Egypt. I don't know. The text did not say to us. The only thing is if they would get their father to sign up their problem, they're okay with it. They agree with Joseph. But the only thing is if they could get their father to sign up of the idea of bringing down Benjamin to Egypt. This is the only problem. If their father would have consented it, then for them, there's no problem. We will go back, bring our brother, and then get Simeon, get the grain, and life will be okay with us during this famine. However, the rest of the story reveals that it is not enough if they were truly the people of God, and listen to this, this is for the people of God. This is for us, church. If you are a child of God, it is not enough to simply do well because God would really deal with what is wrong with us. He would really deal with what is wrong with his brothers. Why couldn't we settle with that kind of life? Why couldn't we just bury everything in the past? without really repenting from them, without really confessing them, if there is a need to confess them to people. Look at how this only triggered their soft spot to surface in verse 21. That after they said they did so, okay, we're settled here, Joseph. We're going to agree with your proposal. But verse 21 brings them back 20 years ago. which only tells us that it will not work. Maybe for others, maybe for some people, they have moved 20 years ago, whatever happens 20 years back, that remains there. It does not bother me today anymore. But not for believers, not for these brothers, because they are the people of God. That as long as life is okay, career is okay, relationship is okay, does not mean we're okay if we are believers. It is futile. It will only work for some time, like we have forgotten it. It will only work for some time until there's something that would happen and it will bring us back to that kind of the one sin. And then we would feel again, like the brothers of Joseph, that God must have punished us 
because of that particular sin that we did not really deal. And yet, this is not supposed to be for us Christians. This is supposed to be not the case because Paul said in Romans 8 verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he explained that you're not supposed to feel the condemnation because Jesus has condemned sin in his flesh already. He already paid the payment of death for your sins. This is the reason why for believers, look at that, we're not supposed to be condemned by any of those sins. And the only thing that God is asking us as believers is, 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins. Because God is faithful to forgive us. Church, if we think we can carry or bury those sins behind by simply not bringing this out anymore and just moving forward without truly confessing it, without owning it, without admitting it, without agreeing with it, those sins will still haunt us. So you realize that life is not just simply doing well. Life is about the fear of God. Life is about always taking care of our relationship with God. This leads us to the second point. It is better to know that God is dealing with our unconfessed sins. It's mabuti pang maramdaman natin that God is dealing with our unconfessed sins than to pretend that we are fine. If at the end of the day, as Christians, bilang mga Kristiyano po, we would never find peace unless we truly repent of our sins Then we would rather do instead of hiding behind our successes or pretensions that we are fine. The brothers of Joseph agreed with Joseph's command to bring their youngest brother to him, prove their faithfulness, and save the life of one of them. Again, at this point, they still do not know who among them would be left behind. But the thing is that they could hide from Joseph or from any other people what happened in the past, but not from God. And we could compartmentalize our lives. Like, this has nothing to do with our past. And it works before men, compartmentalizing our life. It works before men, but it cannot work before God. For God, life is a one whole thing. What is happening right for us cannot be totally separated from anything else. Look at what happened to the brothers again in verse 21. Let's read down to verse 24. They thought that Joseph did not understand them. Verse 21. I would like to read verse 21, starting with the word but. Because they agreed with Joseph, but then they said to one another, in truth. So here's the truth. We're talking about truth here. The truth is that we are guilty. We are guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen to him. Have you been surprised by that? 
what is that one thing that happened 20 to 20 years ago has to do with being in Egypt? Nothing. But why is it that when they were tested by this, why is it that it brought their memory back, going back memory lane, 20 to 20 years ago, bringing them back to that one sin? Don't you think that that sin that you did not confess and you did not deal become a soft spot for you so that whatever problems that happen, and it has nothing to do with this sin, but you all go back there and say, this is because of this sin that I did not really deal with. And he said, look at what he said. That is why we saw his distress. That is why this distress has come upon us. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this just came to them. And Reuben answered them. Ah, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy, but you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. And Reuben thought that his speech would excuse him of any liability. But it actually revealed why he was such an awful leader, uh, being the eldest son. And in Genesis 42, I would have hoped Ruben did not speak. He brought himself trouble every time. He just brought trouble upon himself. He only sought to wash his hands in the very thing that he had authority to keep Joseph from being harmed by his brothers. He was the eldest son. So just a bit of a sidebar, if the authority is given, is in your hand, you will always be liable for whatever would happen. And even here, they said that this is Ruben's way of saying, now that Joseph or this man in Egypt is asking one of us will be left, it should not be because I'm not guilty of our brother's blood. So it's among you. But not me. But do you see how simply making a sin a secret instead of dealing with it rightly can be like a sinking sand? It's a sinking sand. It will not hold your ground. Joseph was sold by his brothers at 17 years old. He became the second in command in Egypt at 30 years old. Seven years of abundance have passed. Two years into famine, which we find in chapter 45, verse 11. So 22 years have passed, and these brothers was brought back there. Genesis 42, 40, 23 to 25, it reads, and this would only become worse. They did not know that Joseph understood them. Joseph overheard, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept. Look at the heart, displaying like the heart of Christ, weeping over the brokenness of his brother. And he returned to them and spoke to them. And he took Simeon from them, and just for a drama, so that they would really buy into what Joseph would want to happen, he bound Simeon. And Joseph gave orders, fill their bags with grain, and to replace every man's money in his sock, and to give them provision for the journey. And listen to the last sentence of verse 25. This was done not to them. This was done 
for them. This is debated whether Joseph returned every man's sack to harm them or to show them goodness. Well, one thing for sure, Joseph, this is part of Joseph's plan to eventually bring the whole family to Egypt. But as we said earlier, this is not vindication. He was really not vindictive. Not only, again, that Joseph wept, which shows that he might have shown toughness outwardly, but inwardly, Joseph was in pain. He was not playing against his brother's feeling. But also that we are given in a commentary by Moses. Again, this was done for them. In fact, when they returned and they were saying, Oh, we found our money in our sock. In Genesis 43 verse 23, the servant of Joseph said, Peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has treasure, has put treasure in your socks for you. I received your money. So under normal circumstance, when they found their money there, they would have thought, oh, wow, our money was returned. Because we did not get the money. Our money was returned. Maybe the man who is being gracious to us. Maybe God placed this to us. We do not know, but our money was returned. Under normal circumstances, they would have been positive for it, but because of their sin, and they were already told they are spies, everything turned south. Mas lumala po yung kanilang problema, di po ba? At the end of verse 28, 28b, we read of this. At this, their hearts failed them. They lost strength. And they turned trembling to one another saying, What is this that God has done to us? They're right. God was dealing with them. But what they totally miss is that this is not all negative as opposed to what they're thinking. They called it distress in verse 21. Ruben called it a reckoning in verse 22, an accounting, a payment. And their question here in verse 28, what is this that God has done to us, concludes that they saw all these things as punishment. God is punishing them for what they did to Joseph. Yet all the while, Look at this. Yet all the while, God was rescuing them for such an unnecessary condemnation that they went through through years. I mean, think about it. This is rescue. If God exposes our sin, God is coming to rescue us. Because if He will not rescue you of that sin, making you deal with that sin rightly, you will continue to be condemned when you're not supposed to be. With all the dysfunction, this family is one who never really faced their problems, or shall I say, their real problems. Like, like typical families, we know that there's a problem, but let's just give a blind eye to that problem. Not deal with the problem. The real problem is not the famine. Their greater problem is that they don't have this loving relationship. They are a broken family. In fact, after they told their father of everything that happened, and they saw all the money in each one's sock, when they were finally back at Canaan, the last part of verse 35 says, they were all afraid, including Jacob. 
And let's look at how this even touched Jacob, not only the brothers, but also Jacob. Verse 36. And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you would take Benjamin? All this have come against me. There's a problem with that. We'll go back. Reuben said to his father, Kill my two sons. If I do not bring him back to you, put him in my hands. And I will bring him back to you. Remember what I said earlier? I would rather have Reuben shut his mouth. <laughs> Seal his mouth. Don't talk. Look at what he said here. And it seemed like noble. Father, I want to guarantee. Why won't you guarantee your own life with the lives of your sons? Have you seen the consistency? He was saying earlier, if there's someone be left in Egypt, it should not me because I'm not guilty of our brothers. And here he's saying, Dad, don't worry. Leave it to me. Give Benjamin to me. And if anything would happen, kill my two sons. I mean, that's not fair. Like, it sounds like, what? This has nothing to do with us. Why us? Why not pledge your own life? Broken family. Verse 38. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to make, you would make, bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to shawl. Uh, Self-pity moments for Jacob. And he certainly has reasons to have self-pity. But in trying to save Benjamin, he just showed once more that he cared not for Simeon. Or that he cared less for Simeon. And the favoritism comes back. And look at his words at the end. You would... Bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to shawl. Verse 38, it brings us all the way back to Genesis 37. All of these stories are connected. Verse 35, when Jacob refused to be comforted of the death of Joseph, saying, No, I shall go down to my son mourning. Same heart. If the brothers have not changed all this time, for 20 to 22 years, Jacob has not changed this past 20 to 22 years. And God is coming to change things. In fact, when he was forced to consent, humayag po siya na ipadala si Benjamin because they did not have food anymore. In chapter 43, Jacob said at the end of verse 14, And as for me, if I'm bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. He has not moved on. He has not dealt with his favoritism. Which in the narrative, by the way, if you remember, this is the root of the problems in the family. Why did they attempt to kill Joseph in the first place? Was it not the multicolored coat? And now he's playing favorites again. So do you want a family who would be saved from famine, but you will still play favorites? And you're still thinking of who's the next one that you would take out. Not a, not a good family. And so God does not want to serve superficial redemption. He wants true redemption. Isn't it that when we 
However, again, the brothers and Jacob saw all these things negatively. They saw all these things negatively. Isn't it when our sins are exposed, when we are exposed, we think nothing good will come out of this. These are all negative. This is what is happening here. And yet, this would only lead to the true healing of this family when Joseph revealed to them the plan of God in sending him to Egypt. The point is this. God would bring to our attention what is broken with us that he might truly heal them. God would bring to our attention what is broken with us that he might truly heal them. In this picture of redemption, it cannot be that God would simply save Israel from the famine without saving what were left broken in the lives of these brothers. God's redemption is not saving us. As I've said earlier, God's redemption is not simply saving us from problems, pain, and all forms of evil in this world without redeeming us from the main problem, and that is our sins and our sinfulness. Jesus did not die in the cross so that everything around us would be redeemed except us. In fact, the rest of creation will be redeemed only together with us. It is us whom God is redeeming. Paul said in Romans 8, 15 to 23, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, true believers. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, God, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In other words, the rest of creation will only be redeemed as the children of God will be redeemed. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. The redemption in the child of God is already happening through the Holy Spirit. It is already happening. And it is not the redemption that He's doing in our lives is not to take away all the problems, but He is redeeming our hearts. He is sanctifying our hearts. He is working in our lives so that we will become like Jesus again. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the main thing that God is doing in the lives of His people. That work of the Holy Spirit makes us groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the total redemption of our bodies. So God is redeeming us from the corruption of sin in us. And this he does because he is making one new man. Ephesians 2 verse 15 or one household. Ephesians 2 19. He is redeeming us individually. He is dealing with our sins individually that he might redeem not only our relationship to God but our relationship with one another. Look at this redemption in Egypt because they will go there for 
to be redeemed from famine, but in the process, their relationship will be redeemed. That is what God is doing. And if God is redeeming us to ourselves, but sin keeps us from being one, what do you think would God do with the sins that we have? However, think about this. This is what God is doing. But part of what God is doing is to expose our brokenness. And we would see the things in our lives that needs redemption. Here's our implication. When God exposes our sins, we can best show that we trust that God is redeeming us from our sins by confessing our sins. We can best show that, Lord, I know what you're doing. I know that you're good and you're redeeming me. And you can show that trust in God that is thinking of your good by confessing our sin. See, the good thing about the brothers of Joseph is that for the first time they said, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brothers. And the process of healing started. Would you trust that in the process of healing, or the process of healing starts with your confession? And if we do, we might be truly reconciled, not only to God, but if we do confess, if we humble ourselves and say, yeah, I think I'm wrong, or I have done something I didn't know, but this has been haunting me over and over again. I want to move forward, but it seems like I cannot take them out of my heart and my mind. I am confessing my sin. Maybe as we do that one, not only that we can enjoy great relationship with God, but maybe that is the key to a reparation, to the repair of our broken relationship with our spouse, with our father, with our mother, with our siblings, with our brothers, and with our friends. Maybe true relationship is not Achieved by impressing one another, but by humbling towards one another. Maybe as spouse, maybe the way to have a great relationship with our wife is not to simply lavish them with good gifts, but to be honest. What is it that we have to tell not only God, but to those whom we have wronged? In truth, I am guilty concerning us. Fill in the blank. There are better days ahead in our relationship if you and I would look on each other's eye, confess our sins, and readily forgive one another. And church, for all we know, Jesus died on the cross, showed us what forgiveness is, so that you and I will live forgiving one another. I want to challenge you, don't let this day pass without confessing your sins to God and to those whom you have wronged. Because you might be convicted right now as you are listening, but as you enjoy KFC, you're going to forget about all these things. And the best time to apply is now. 
we should ask God. So if this is the truth, then here's how we would conclude this. We should ask God to deal with what is broken in our lives. For simply doing good in life is not enough in God's redemptive work. It is not enough in God's redemptive work. He wants to deal with us. What could be a fitting picture of this truth? But the brothers of Joseph, isn't it? That just simply doing well would not work. And I hope that this story convinced us this would not work. And if it would not work, should we still insist that simply doing well in life without dealing with our sins will work? Now we should not. We should be able to realize, if I have not faced this for the longest time, it is the right time to face this. Because if I will not face this, I would be like the brothers of Joseph. 20 to 22 years, I would still have to face this. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your forgiveness. And we pray, Lord, that we would be so assured of your love. That we are confident that when you expose our sins, you are rescuing us from that sin. That we might continually be redeemed from sin. And Father, may this result to better relationships with our family, with our brothers in the Lord as a church. May we indeed display unity because in that way, the world will know that Jesus is truly the Savior. We honor you and we bless you. In Christ's name. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.